chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Jesus said to his disciples, That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. The word of the Lord. I'm just going to add one thing to the service. I want Dan just to come up here. Gary, Ken, would you join me? The, the elders join me. <coughs> Gary's story about the, the geese flying information uh, just reminded me that we really need to pray for our leaders because they face uh, greater pressure simply by the virtue of their position. So we're going to gather around Dan, just lay hands on him and just pray for him. Lord, we thank you for Dan, for his willingness to take on the responsibility of leadership in the NAB denomination. And uh, we know you've prepared him for this job. You've... Uh, given him many experiences over his life that enable him to trust you with greater responsibilities. He's been faithful in little, and now you've made him faithful in much. And so we pray that uh, in this responsibility, <clears throat> you will strengthen him, and you will always manifest your presence to him, that he knows he's not alone, and that you will give him much encouragement. And now that we have seen him, Lord, remind us to pray for him as the months and years progress. So, Lord, we pray you bless him and bless those churches that uh, he has oversight over. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, thank you. Verses uh, 35 to 41. And uh, we are looking at four passages where the disciples were taking a boat trip because those passages help us understand what it means to follow Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that the Lord Jesus is the cornerstone and that through the storm, he is Lord of all. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Here's a question that may not be easy to answer, 
as a believer, have you had enough or would you want more? Some Christians have had enough. I don't have the time or the energy for any more. That's enough, thank you. I'm good. Well, this series is for those who hunger and thirst for more. That's what Simon Peter experienced in Luke 5. He got a lot more than he expected. His Facebook status had to be upgraded from an anonymous small businessman trying to catch fish to becoming a fisher of men in a movement that would eventually turn the world upside down and open the gates of heaven to all who believe in Jesus Christ. It happened at the end of a futile fishing trip, after which Jesus told him to head for the deep water and to try again. Although Simon did not see the point, he agreed, and as a result, they caught too many fish. Their nets were breaking, their boats were beginning to sink. And it was then that the firewall between earth and heaven was breached, and Simon had a glimpse of glory. And that's when he made the second most important discovery in life. Simon discovered the greatness of Jesus Christ. And it terrified him. I think that's what is conspicuously absent in our present darkness. There is no reverence. We're far too casual and too comfortable with God. Most people don't even realize who Jesus is. They have no sense of his greatness. There is no fear of the Lord in our land. Instead, they've turned his name into a curse word. Irreverence has become a very popular item of the entertainment industry. To the average Canadian, Jesus is kind of part of the religious hall of fame, along with Abraham and Buddha, Mohammed, Gandhi, the Pope, and Colonel Sanders. It's the worst case of mistaken identity in history. And even Christians suffer from this deficiency. Every time I am overwhelmed with worry or tormented by fear, it's because I've underestimated Jesus Christ. That's why J.B. Phillips wrote his book, Your God is Too Small. So we need to make the second most important discovery in life. And that can only happen when we abandon our excuses and follow him. Have you discovered the greatness of Christ in a way that's left you shaken and stirred? Or are you content to maintain a user-friendly relationship with God that doesn't create a lot of stress or inconvenience? What if the Holy Spirit were to challenge you to go deeper? Because there is so much more. But more of what exactly? Well, that brings us to number one. The greatest discovery in life. But for that, we need to take another boat trip. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. The parallel passage in Luke 8.23 says they were in great danger. This was the worst storm Peter had ever experienced. 
The Greek word used to describe it is seismos, as an earthquake or tsunami. Perhaps just another example of climate change. Well, the Sea of Galilee is situated in a geographical wind tunnel, making it susceptible to extreme episodes of nature behaving badly. As trained fishermen, Peter and his crew tried desperately to cope with this crisis, but the waves were too high and the boat was getting swamped. They couldn't bail out fast enough, and so they were in danger. No, it was great danger. Now, there are those who claim that if you're in God's will, you won't have to face any danger. It's all good. You just float along merrily, merrily, gently down the stream. So, if life happens to turn ugly, it's because you have strayed outside of God's will. Is that how it works? Well, we know that the disciples were exactly where the Lord wanted them to be. This boat trip was his idea. So why were they in great danger? I have learned that when you follow Christ, life doesn't necessarily get easier. The traffic lights don't all turn green. You might not find a parking spot right near the mall entrance the way Joel Osteen does. I heard him say that in his program, and I thought, man, he must not shop at Costco. <laughs> or else he cheats and has one of those handicap signs. That never happens to me. No, when you follow Jesus, life doesn't get easier. And you could find yourself in great danger. So what do you do then? Well, if nothing else works, you can always pray. Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? As we go deeper in following God, we will find ourselves asking some serious questions like, Lord, don't you care? That is a recurring question that heartbroken people hurl at the heavens. I've asked that question on numerous occasions. Not recently. Last time was, I think, 1990. Uh, no, wait a minute. It was actually a couple of weeks ago. The problem is that when a crisis develops, there is sometimes no apparent evidence of God's compassion. We don't sense his presence anywhere. It's like he's not paying attention. What happened? Did God reassign our case to an inexperienced junior apprentice, an intern, guardian angel with a broken wing and a bad cold? I think I'd like to talk to the manager. Lord, don't you care? Of course, we know better. The cross is conclusive evidence substantiating the verdict that God cares. After the cross, there is no doubt his love is undeniable. But that still leaves other questions. Lord, if you care, then why don't you help me? This is one I, I often ask. Lord, why do you always wait until after I panic? We all have a panic point. We can only take so much, and then we're overwhelmed. 
from that standpoint, the disciples were absolutely amazing. They didn't get desperate when they got into danger. They waited until their situation became a great danger, and then they panicked. I usually don't last that long. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So there was Jesus sleeping on history's first waterbed, being rudely awakened. And you wonder, why did they bother? What were they expecting? Lord, help us. All hands on deck, grab a bucket and start bailing out. What exactly were they expecting from him? I'm not sure they knew. Verse 39 says, he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Now, this is not what they asked him to do. Because they didn't know he could do that. In fact, it's interesting to me that this great miracle did not happen because they had great faith. It happened in spite of the fact that they had no faith. There are teachers who will say that the only way you can get healed is if you have great faith. Well, sometimes God just does it for us when we have no faith at all, when we're faltering, when we failed, when our faith is sputtering. This miracle happened in spite of the fact that they had no faith. Verse 40, he said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, that's our problem. We underestimate God. In every crisis, there are two options. If we underestimate God, we will exercise the fear factor. And the next storm that comes is going to terrify us unless we use the antidote. Only faith can eliminate fear. Because those two things can't coexist. You have to exercise one or the other. That's why Jesus in John 14 verse 1, before the worst experience in history, told his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Those are the only two responses possible in times of great danger. Either we will be troubled or we will trust. You can't do both. Faith is the antidote to fear. But it has to be a strong enough dosage. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Remember that the disciples had already discovered the greatness of Christ. But that discovery didn't help them in this storm. They still panicked. They needed something more. Maybe you're going through a violent storm right now. A serious health problem. An impossible financial burden. Family conflict. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction. You're overwhelmed by a sense of failure. You've been rejected and your heart is broken. In the unstable atmosphere of a fallen world, there's a lot of storm activity. And in those storms, there's a 90% chance of fear. But there's also an opportunity to make the greatest and most important discovery in life. God can turn your greatest danger into 
your greatest discovery. And here it is. Are you ready for this? Verse 41. They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? I love this verse. Scholars tell us that it can be translated from what tribe, from what nation, where does he come from? Who is this? This was totally foreign, completely alien to anything they or any human had ever experienced. So who is this? The second most important discovery happens when you experience the greatness of Christ. Simon had already made that discovery while he was counting his fish. Since then, he had been an eyewitness to some of the other great things Jesus did. It was amazing. But when this happened, it absolutely blew his mind. Who is this? Who can do something like this? The second most important discovery in life is when you experience an overwhelming sense of the greatness of Christ. But the most important discovery, thank you for being patient, the most important discovery is when you realize that Jesus is even greater than that. Far, far greater than anything you've previously experienced. Greater than anything you expected, exceeding abundantly above anything you could think or imagine. Notice it says they were terrified. I mean, they had been with him 24-7. They thought they knew him until this happened. Who does this sort of thing? What have we gotten ourselves into? They were more terrified of Jesus than they were of the storm. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You see, with Jesus, there's always more. What do you mean more? More of what exactly? Well, the best answer to that question is that when you follow Jesus and you keep going deeper, you will experience more which means you will have a greater capacity to appreciate his surpassing glory and immeasurable greatness. We don't need more of anything else. We just need to experience more of the greatness of Jesus. That's why we have to discard all the measuring tools that calculate the height and length and breadth and depth of our systematic theology. Because Jesus is far, far greater than that. How much? I can't tell you. I don't know. No one knows. In fact, this discovery isn't just a one-time experience. It keeps recurring. It keeps repeating. And each time we see more. In fact, I believe this question will echo through eternity. When we have been there 10,000 years, we will still be discovering more dimensions of his greatness and crying out, wow, who is this? Until then, perhaps that's why 
we face violent storms. Because you don't really comprehend the greatness of Christ by listening to a sermon. It's the storms. It's the greatness of the storm that will reveal the greatness of your Savior. You see, for most believers, Jesus Christ is a little bit bigger than the last problem he solved and a little bit smaller than the next problem we'll face. That's why they're storms, to show us more, so much more. For example, my awareness of the stature of Christ was greatly increased when I was trying to help my parents who had been swindled out of their life savings by a real estate scam. It was a very, very difficult time. But I now know a savior who is greater than the Alberta Law Society. An even worse storm happened that gave me a greater estimation of his power. And our concept of God was radically revised when we saw the Lord pull our son out of the drug culture and turn him into a missionary. And I now know a Lord who is greater than the rave scene, greater than crystal meth. During my last sabbatical, I visited a number of African churches because I absolutely love African churches. This was in Edmonton, and one Sunday I was in the Rwandan church. This was a few years after the genocide. And I heard the worship leader pray, Oh God, thank you that we are not like one of the dead ones. And after that, I witnessed the most enthusiastic and passionate worship that I'd seen in a long time. Many of them had watched family members killed, and yet they were not bitter. They were not demoralized. They were not defeated. They were overcomers. And when I left that service, I realized that God was truly greater than I thought he was. It's often the suffering who teach us that. We had the Voice of the Martyrs Conference in our church every year, and being there and listening to the testimonies of those who've suffered was absolutely amazing. The attitude that they had, it was just like the book of Acts. There was great persecution, but they responded with compassion and boldness, and revival began to, to spread. Every week you have information like that in the back of your bulletin about the persecuted church. There's incredible things going on there. Every time I went through that conference, I came out realizing God is far greater than I thought he was. How great is Jesus? It is impossible to overestimate him. Because he is even greater than that. Greater than our fears. Greater than our failures. And his grace immeasurably exceeds multiplied sin. And as for the question, Lord, don't you care? Paul tells us in Romans 8, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God, the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you want to know the love of God, don't ever let go of Jesus. It's all in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there's even more. So much more because Jesus is even greater than that. Lord, I pray that out of your glorious riches that you may strengthen us with power through the Holy Spirit in our inner being. And I pray that we being rooted and established in love that we may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We pray this in his name the name above every name. Amen.